With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ECWPress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 156B. We're getting up there. Episodes now, a reminder, can be seen on YouTube at THPN, which stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. Not only check out mine, but Joe Lazito, we had on last week, Coliseum Chronicles, and a lot more can be seen at THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. Now let's get along with the show. Let's get right into it. Today, we have another member of the eight-game club and fellow Tri-City American and St. John's Maple Leaf, 11-year pro, now successful businessman, getting ready for a big summer. It's Turan, Sandman Sandwich. Sandman, how you doing? Good, buddy. How are you? So, uh... You're saying the, uh, is there more guys in the eight-person club, eight, uh, club that I'm missing? I here? don't know. I wonder, like, we just happened to land on eight games. Uh, crazy Eights, I still think that's an idea for a podcast. Even if we knock one off once a month and just call it Crazy Eights, it's good enough. Um, but uh, I don't know. Do you know anybody else with specifically eight games played? We should do a search, though. This is uh, This is pretty important. Sam, man, we should do a search and then like just give them all the option to like join us on a on a road trip somewhere. Let's <laughs> just like, can you join our cult? We're just creating a cult here. Hey, yeah, isn't there a movie someone searched for people with the same name? <laughs> yeah, there's something to talk to. Uh, how's everything going? What are you up to? Are you in Toronto, Edmonton? Or are you traveling to Machu Picchu? What the hell? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm in Toronto uh, this week. Uh, yeah, feels like I've been traveling tons and back and forth to Edmonton lots. Uh, but things are good, man. Like uh, my construction company, all the crews are out the door working in the summer now. Uh, and the smoke in, out in Alberta, which is which is gone. Now it's here. There's some smelling smoke this morning. I, I saw before. that. It's crazy, yeah. So the smoke's in June. What's yeah. crazy is that it's June. It's not the hottest time of the year yet. When we, we've yet to really have summers not in full bloom in Newfoundland yet. We still got the fog yeah. for uh, four or five days a week, but apparently that's changing. But listen, GNS GS Construction. Yes. Are you guys all over North America? Oh no, no. we're uh, we're just around Edmonton area, about three hour radius of Edmonton. Most of our stuff's right in uh, right in the city. Uh, we that's got- what I thought. For those Alberta people, we got somebody, a crew working up in Lacklemish right now. Uh, but pretty much everybody's around the city. So you're aware that there is another company out there in the United States? Well, it's funny you say that. I actually have, like, we have an Indeed website for, you know, people that want to apply to uh, work for us. And I just got this notification. And there, and there was a weird kind of, like, you know, like, comment or whatever. Like, you know, you can post you know, reviews. Yeah. And it was this company from India, GS construction out of India. They kind of got onto our, <laughs> onto our reviews. Right. So I had to email them. Go, hey, this is a, this is a different uh, group. But yeah, I know I was having GS constructions around for sure. Are you following the, the playoffs still? I was just thinking, I, you know, because I knew you were going to talk about this, and I am embarrassed to say I have like minus zero percent interest in the playoffs. Isn't that just this terrible? Because I was so into it, and then I know, but nothing. That's the reason I asked because you know what I think happens. I mean, you, you, this particular year, okay. I was having breakfast yesterday with a buddy, and he said, "Well, you know, it's Vegas and Florida," but I, you know, what I think it's more so. It just goes too long. It's June. Yeah. I had no problem with Vegas and Florida. I think it's pretty entertaining, especially the way Florida got there. Vegas got a great team after watching the Vegas or the Edmonton series. Yeah. Um, well, just even watching the highlights, I mean, I'm really, like, I mean, shockingly impressed by Vegas. I mean, just, again, I'm, I'm just, just seeing sports highlights or whatever, but uh, the domination, I mean, I never would have called that, you know. But, but, no, no, no. But, but I mean, they've got, a, they've got a great team top to yeah. bottom. But, Sam, man, do you yeah. think we'll ever go – Back, like I just think there's too many games in in this. Same basketball and hockey. Well, basketball load management is a thing. I think they really have to look at their their schedule. If guys just aren't going to play superstars, I mean, there has to be a, something has to crack somewhere. Um, and by the way, are you are you getting feedback? I, I can hear my voice twice over. I hope it doesn't translate over. Is that happening to you? Um, you sound you sound fantastic. Okay. Your golden golden voice is just shining through, and there's no (laughs) (laughs) light. I was hoping for good, but fantastic. I'll take, and I won't ask again. Uh, But, you know, there's 82 games scheduled. Okay. It's demanding. It goes further and further. I remember it was, wasn't it only like 20 years ago? They were saying it'll never go into June. Now we're like well into June. It's not close to over. It could go another five games. You know, then you're looking, and so your reward. How about if you don't win the cup? Your reward is no ring, and you come back to camp in a month and a half, no yeah. break. Yeah, no, it, it did. Yeah, I mean, if you, you're getting these notifications now on your Instagram that like two weeks ago that the Oilers won the cup in 1984 on this date and stuff like that. Like, 
yeah, it's, it's crazy how long. It's like a month, month and a half extended from what it used to be for sure. Yeah, and just, uh, I don't know, it's a hard sport. You yeah, like, well, I, You know, I just said the load management thing. Sorry, the load, like, it's no, almost laughable as a hockey guy, right? Like, to go, you guys are doing load management. Like, these guys are, like, killing each other for 82 games. And then they go on this long, the craziest, longest playoff series run ever. Like, yeah, they're killing each other still. Uh, that's load management. They need load management. I went back and looked, and a lot of times these teams that go on huge runs, like, you know, dynasty-type runs, like Chicago, L.A., Pittsburgh in the last, say, 15 years, that had, like, a, a shot, either won a couple or had a shot that far into, and, 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 you know, that late in the playoffs and at the Cup every year, and then they just give out. You know, a lot of guys just give out. Guys like, I don't know, Mike Richards. That must have been hard. I mean, he, he retired early, but if you think about it, think of how many extra games. And he always answered the bell, went to the World Championships, World Juniors, gave everything. To every team he was on, he gave every ounce of sweat and pain that he possibly could. No wonder guys are done in their early 30s, right? If you're well, successful. I never thought about this, but think about, like, it kind of makes it even more incredible what Tampa Bay has done in the last few years, right, to, to, to do that back-to-back -back cups. and. Uh, you know, they have, you know, again, the orders back in the 80s, they were done in May or whatever, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. beginning of June, end of, end of May, right? And that that's a big deal, like having an extra month or three weeks to that summer, as you know, right, to get recruited. That's a huge deal. Do you think guys are breaking curfew anymore? And do you, do you remember, like, I remember just a few times a year, like it always ended up being a thing, like not, not that it, you're in pro, but there's some nights that you need to stay in. And I remember in our era, there was some guys that didn't stay in. Uh, do you think that happens anymore? I, I, I gotta say no. I mean, there's just, are you talking about like the Stanley Cup playoffs right now? Or are you talking Well, general? I think, well, I guess I didn't, I'm asking during the playoffs. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think during the playoffs, even in our era. I mean, you know, you yeah. you'd stay in. I don't I don't remember really partying the night before a game, even in the AHL. But just yeah. as a rule, like say it's I don't know February. That, it ends there. Say, say it's February and the boys are going out. Do you think there's people coming in at three o'clock in the night before a game? Uh, no, not maybe for the game. I would say no. I, I'd say that is probably done. I mean, maybe there's an outlier somewhere here or there, but the night before the game, I'd say absolutely no. Um, other times, like, I mean, I remember, I was just thinking as you're talking, when I was with Hamilton and we went to the Call of Cup final, like, literally for the whole playoff run, we would play our game, especially at home, yeah. and we would go party all night, you know, and we'd yeah. be out late, late. And we'd get up in the morning and get three, three hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, and then we would go to the rink and we'd practice. And then we would go to bed really early, like, you know, the night before the oh, game. Yeah. Yeah. Like at, you know, five o'clock, we'd sleep all night and get ready for the next game. And we did that the whole playoff run. That just, is a better way to frame it. Because you know what? Even when we I, – I don't really remember even going out on a regular season that much the night before a game. Maybe, maybe that, that was the night for the steak dinner, maybe beers at the table. I don't really remember going to the club. That would be irresponsible. Yeah. But yeah. you're right. If it was any other time, like – Two nights before would never be questioned. You guys go out till five. It doesn't matter because you have a full day to recuperate. Like, exactly. You're going to be 100%. It's, it's, you're going to be 100%. Like that day, no one questioned it. It's one sleep is all it took. If you got one sleep, you're good. You're good. It's so true. Like it's incredible the amount of 
technical know-how and like detail, attention to detail there is compared to what we played on every level, right? Like I'm even like, yeah. I just went to physio yesterday for my shoulder and like I'm, it's starting to feel better. But like, I'm thinking like, this is from like years and years of like hitting people and throwing punches and whatever you're doing to your body. And I there, I never get any physio when I was playing. Like when I was playing after, so I mean, of course my shoulder's going to be messed up after not even helping it in any respect. Ever, ever. Yeah. yeah. And now these guys are getting like worked on, like like when they're not even injured, right? Like they're getting yeah. treatments and they're getting all this stuff. They're kind of maintenance stuff they're doing. It's just like, it's summertime. Like, man, like, it's just another level. Like it's 10 times what it used to be. We never did anything. We just went like rode the bike for two hours. I went with the way I felt. Some push-ups, you know, some bench yeah. press. I would honestly go out and skate and skate and skate. I would skate myself hard with the guys in the summer. And then like, I could just judge where my lungs were. And like that, that was really it. Like, and, and you yeah. know, some working out, but for me, for me, even I remember junior, there was a word, but even in Montreal, but everybody was kind of on the same one. It's not like it was foreign, but I shouldn't have been doing the same thing Valerie Bure was doing, but exactly. we all just, we just all had a workout package. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, you know what I mean? But, yeah, I yeah. but like, you know, and I hated that anyway. And they didn't really, cause I proved that I went up one year. It just, if I had a big upper body, it didn't help me fighting those big guys. I'd rather be kind of fast and be able to use my mobility for the, I don't know, the power play and shit. You know what I mean? Um, so I, d I did do a lot of like plyometrics and stuff, but it was really just me judging my strength, like taking my own notes. You know, people got sports psychologists now. If I honestly, I told, I think it was Scotty Thornton I was talking to recently, like, and I, you know, a couple of the old Tucker course. And I was like, you know, I used Wayne Hollywell. He was a sports psychologist. I was embarrassed at the time. I never yeah. would have told anybody, you know, now yeah. it's just part, you know, you have your breakfast, you go see Wayne, then, you know, yeah. you get, you, you get worked on, you do your workout and then you get a massage, you know? 100%. Yeah, I know, man. It's, it's crazy. Crazy. Um, yeah. So what's going on in your world? I uh, heard you, uh, you know, we're at a little charity event there in Moncton. That was a great time. Uh, I'd like to know, uh, you tell the audience, sir, who got drafted first overall. Well, this is wild. So for those that don't know, they do these Heart and Stroke Foundation tournaments. And the, the setup is that we all go in. I think it's 20, quote, unquote, hockey celebrities or celebrities, whatever. It's mostly to do with hockey. So everybody from Jeremy Roenick was there. Oh, God. Uh, Brian Scrudlin, George LaRock, Tessa Bonham. Um there was uh, a, a, a bunch of girls off the national team. God, I forget their names. Um, there was uh, Brian Scrudland, Andrew Shaw, Andrew uh, Andre Waugh, like some real established guys. And I've been trying to get into on this game for years, but it really is a question of relevance, right? Like, I got it. I was, you know, played eight games, first round flop for the most part. Got a book out, talk about it tongue in cheek. I'll speak at your event. I've spoken at the event, but I've never been one of the people that get drafted. So what happens is that 20 teams raise money. And the number one team at this particular event in Moncton raised, I think it was $125,000. So they get to draft first, right down to number 20. I think you got to pay five just to get in. So number 20 is probably around five to 10 that they raised, whatever. Overall, we raised almost a million dollars. It was just shy. So I was hoping, yes, to get drafted at least around the middle. So to prove to these people that finally had me there, Jackson events, 
that uh, I'd at least, you know, make them some decent money for the charity and, uh, you know, add to the positive direction and positive vibe that they've been uh, creating for years now. So it just so happens, man, there was a few teams of huge Shorzy fans, and uh, I got picked first first overall. JR loved it. He absolutely loved it. He's like, what the, what the fuck's going on? Is this guy? And we got talking, and I told him about um, my career, my home, and the show. And he'd heard of the show. Denny Savard had seen it, loved the show. I mean, Denny Savard, right? How the fuck do I go into Denny Savard? That's amazing. But it was uh, it was just a blast, and the team who happened to draft me uh, first that first that I mentioned that, um, but, but they were great. So what happens? You hang out with them for the weekend. You golf on the Friday, and you meet everybody. And then on Saturday and Sunday, there's games starting really early. We had to play at eight, so you kind of burn the candle at both ends because they expect you're gonna have beers with them, and they were like you should. I mean, they gave hey, for the weekend. They pay a lot of money, and then my team. You know, you're always hoping like you know where they're going to take me. Like some people just drink in the dressing room uh, right here. When it's, it's, it's been over here a few years, you might take them out to see an iceberg, whatever. But my team took me over to their place for a barbecue, uh, some tunes. And uh, there was a, one of the imports that used to play in Newfoundland here, Nicholas Croft. I played with him in Cranville. He was on the team. So I got to hang out with him. It was such a great weekend. I, I can't really put it into words, but uh you know, it was uh, I was hanging out with Matthew Barnaby and Andrew Shaw for the most part. Ally Al- Al- Frady, so you can imagine how it went. Darren Langdon. Yeah, that's a great buddy. That's yeah, those weekends are fun. Well, they're a good time for everybody. I've often said, Sandman, and I like how you you flipped the interview back on me. I'm answering your question here, by the way. I'm rambling, but. Um, I, I find it online to keep up with all the messages is a headache. You know, I go from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook, and I know they're just fans that want to mingle, and, and I do too, but I find it – what's the word? It, it, it's easy to check out online because you don't – it, it just feels like too much of a digital – relationship you know what i mean like i like the humanity of it so i like going to these things and hearing from people and for the most part the people that jackson events get gets are guys that you know probably like to have a good time to some degree right so it really is a mesh of um positive stories positive vibes and it's all about hockey and uh it's such a diverse group man that everybody's got different stories. They're all from different eras. Ethan Moreau, you Oilers fans would know. I mean, it was wild sitting there. Some people got Stanley Cup, some people don't. A uh, guy like JR has been all over the world. I mean, he must have told me 50 stories. I don't think one had to do with hockey. He went on from there, Sam, and he's over in Europe now. He said, I make some decent money and I like to travel, so I'm going to Amsterdam and Italy from here. That's just uh, I love that you know guys that hockey's the vehicle for all these people. You just see where where they landed, you know. Yeah, no, it's very it's very interesting. <clears throat> you think that you've heard all the stories before and whatever, but it is true when you get around those guys and like just hear different different aspects, different stuff. It just and it's and, and you know as you know, it's just you know you think it gets old after a while, but it, it's crazy the amount of diverse stories and just interesting things that have happened to people even their hockey careers or after or whatever it's and and you know and i always love to hear about how they made the nhl like yes um you know i remember i was actually so i, I as you know involved with that um the alzheimer's program tournament in edmonton uh, yeah. for the last 10 12 years which is very similar for those that yes, haven't heard it, it. It's very similar. similar same way all right and 
Um, and Jason, uh, sorry, Brian Trache uh, goes there yeah. a lot. And again, Brian Trache is probably the the nicest guy you've ever met in your entire life. He'd like forget about hockey or anything else. He's just a complete gentleman, like uh, in all aspects. And um, he's just one of those guys. He's want when he starts talking, you just want to sit around the campfire and just like, can you please keep talking? Because I mean, he was a, his family. Like he was a musician growing up. Their family had a band. I don't know if you knew this. Like they, I uh, did, Sam. And well, like, I went. Uh, pause for thought. I, I I went up to Nain, Labrador, Northern Labrador, with him, Ally Afraidy. Okay, right. More. Uh, when oh, Howard yeah. Chuck was alive, we did one. So yeah, and and up there there was no fucking phone service. So we sat down. It was like a Clint Eastwood fucking movie. We sat down, and you could hear the rain coming down outside. And then we looked around, and there was no phones, and there was candles, and we and he laid down a beer. The power was out, and I was just like, okay, here we go. And he just went into these stories. Anyway, keep going. Uh, yeah, anyway, it just it just fascinating to, to hear some of these guys' backgrounds and how they made it, and what happened, and the, you know, and all the adversity. You know, like that. You know, as we all know everybody deals with the adversity trying to make it to the NHL and uh, just fascinating what different things happen, different people, different times. And I just love that stuff. It's great. Speaking of that, I didn't even know JR is because uh, he was asking me about, you know, he found it wild that I went out West to play and I'm from Newfoundland and I looked, so he played at like, I think it's called Thayer or Tayer or Thames Academy, Thayer maybe in New York uh, or in Boston, sorry, he's from Boston. Did you know he went to the queue? He played 29 games in the queue and had like 80 no. points or almost. I have no idea, no. Yeah, and then yeah. he went back. and he, So he just walked on to Chicago. Well, not walked on. They knew, obviously, he's a huge prospect. But out of high school prep hockey, and then they sent him to Quebec because you could do that then. You could send you down to junior, like an emergency basis. Played yeah. his 29 games, had his 80 points, and went back up to Chicago. I did not know that part of his story. I don't see Jeremy Roenick as, like, CHL alumni. I did not realize Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. Me, not me either. No, absolutely. What a career. And think about that, like, back in the day for an American player to, you know, do what he yeah. did. Like, I mean, I guess this is kind of like Madano too, right? Madano played up in uh, uh, Prince Albert. Prince, Prince Albert, yeah. Uh, now it's funny. It's going back the other way. So anyway, um, we, meaning the USHL is more relevant than it's ever been. And yeah, for agree. me, it wasn't even a decision. If it's if you're a hockey, hockey. If you're thinking hockey, you go major junior. If you're thinking school, maybe hockey, you go you know NCAA. And that's all. Uh, those traditions have been smashed, which is good. It's a more, I think, it's never bad to have players with as many options as possible. The only thing I don't still agree with is that you can't, isn't it? You can't play like a game in the CHL and then go to college. You got to take a year off. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a game. Yeah. I think it's definitely, I think it's loosened up a little bit, but it's, it yeah, it's still just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The fact that you have to, at a young age, make a decision like that. It's uh, pretty sad. And I don't understand why it doesn't make any sense to me. But So Sandman, I'm going out to Edmonton now, speaking of these hockey weekends, um, I'm leaving tomorrow morning at 6. As you know, I'm going out to roast. Roast. I will emphasize the word roast. Kevin Lowe, a guy with six Stanley Cups, Hall of Fame. And uh, But by the time this comes out, it's going to be Friday, so I don't mind talking about it beforehand. But you can see why. Now, I, I have my thing written, but you can see why I might be a little bit hesitant to get up there on stage, given my background, and roast a guy who's almost on the route Rushmore hockey. Yeah, I totally understand. I appreciate it. We had, we had a chat uh, this morning here, but, uh, you know, I think you'll find, well, 
I mean, I did it last year, as you know, because you, you like the reason why you're doing it. I think a big reason is because Kevin Lowe was at the roast of Walking Engage last year. Now, this is an event that's raising money for kids sports, which provides uh, underprivileged kids with uh, equipment and so like that. So it's an unreal charity. Go. Thanks yeah, for saying it. I was. Unreal, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites. So, um, so GS, our company is sponsoring it. We're going to have a table, guys, that you'll know uh, a lot of them. And, um, but I can't be there, unfortunately, which sucks. I'd love to be there. Cause then you could like, you know, you could at least roast me a little bit. You wouldn't have to worry about that, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I mean it. I would, I was hoping you Strudwick's not going to be there. Rashog's not going to be there. Yeah. I, I started with you guys. Listen, over the last, when he told me this month, maybe a month and a half ago, I just started like whenever something came into my head. I would write it down, and my first three targets were you, Rashog, and Strudwick, yeah. because I'm like, these guys I actually know. The other people I don't know. Yeah, anyway. And now well, you bailed, and they're not going to be there. <laughs> well, you'll be just fine. And again, last year, um, actually, I, I, so Joaquin Gage, I did his, and I was really nervous, too. I mean, I don't do this stuff at all, and I get up there, and I guess, well, I, I don't know, I don't know, I guess, and I did, I did, but I didn't realize I swore a lot. I said the uh, I said fuck. I think about five hundred times. Okay. Well, it's this. it's a nice way to frame a roast, though. I can never <laughs> too many f bombs. Normally, is noticeable. Not at a roast. Yeah. Well, it was. I, I did. I did enough that I did get lots of comments. I got. I got roasted after about saying fuck too many times. Yeah. Really. And then uh, I don't see was, that out of you when you're up on a stage. See, I the, know, ro just, the roast thing took changes you. I, I, I think it was just a nervous, a nervous tick. I think is what it really was. And I was like, you know, I was into it. And I wasn't thinking. I was like, you know, I channeled something. I just went. And um, so after Gager, Gager uh, tells me, he goes, yeah, I ran into Kevin Lowe when they went out when Kevin's getting going to get roasted. Did you get ready? And he was the one that asked about you. Like, if you were roasted, and he goes, yeah, I'm not asking Trans to roast. He said, fuck, which. <laughs> wow. You know what it is? You know what it is? I, I'm, I'm serious. I'm guilty of this, too. I told you, like, I won't get into the whole story, but in 2016, well, you came to my first stand-up show ever, right, in, in Yucca. Yeah, I was there, yeah. But I remember this, and I remember because what happens is that at first it's a little bit of nerves, and you say, uh, well, you know, I don't fucking know. And now that, that in itself isn't really that funny. I don't fucking know. But if you say it in the middle, and people start like really, re re they, there's a bit of a feedback, and they're they're kind of murmur because you know they, it's more at the attitude, but it, you get a bit of feedback, and then it's like easy feedback. It's an yeah. easy layup when you. It's Chris Rock does it a lot. Now his stuff's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. But the way he uses curse words yeah. is fucking. Uh, it's perfect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He he's a he's George Carlin was awesome at it. Some people get up there and you can see, but it, it becomes an art because it is a, it's a layup. But at, afterwards, it's really noticeable if you do it too much. That's right. That's what that was Jerry D's feedback for you. It was. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, you don't have to have fucking ten double rum and cokes before you go on. Have some confidence, and you don't need so many f bombs. Um, Sam, man. One of those years you played roller hockey, those that don't know, Roller Hockey International. It's, uh, it used to be, it was mostly in the mid to late 90s. 
It was extremely successful uh, for something that just got off the ground. There was buildings of most. Of, there was a league across the United States. In my understanding, it was mostly, it was most successful in California and thereabouts. Uh, but I've seen, I've seen, you know, lots of footage with ten, fifteen thousand people at World Championships and whatnot. It was professional hockey. You got paid. Now I do want to hear a little bit about this, but. I want to know, you played with Troy Crowder. He played four games and had 18 penalty minutes. Was he fighting even in that? No, he wasn't fighting. No. Okay, he so fighting. he just couldn't keep up and was hooking and holding. Yeah, I, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he was not a great player. Not that I was a great player, either, but um, I actually have, this is, I've got a great Troy Crowder story about that, if you want to hear it. And when I say he couldn't keep up, I just he I played against him when he was in shape. He fought. Pro, let me just say that to everybody listening, he fought Probert. To what, you know, yeah. some great fights. Um, I played against him at the tail end of his career. I just to go down and because he only played four games, and I'm going someone like that that just played. It would probably be hard to keep up right off the bat, me included. Go ahead. Yeah. No. No. And, and yeah, he's. I, I'm not sure he was would have been. I was 23, I think, at the time, and Troy would have been at the end of his career. So he's in his. 30s, yeah. mid-30s, or something like that, right? So yeah. he was – I think he was just there, kind of like all of us were kind of there having fun. Like we're in California, living in L.A., playing roller hockey, living down by Manhattan Beach, you know, just having How did you get the time. invite? <clears throat> um, so I got the invite through Jeannie Bus, through Rob Hartnell, actually. So Rob Hartnell – Robbie Hartnell, yes, yes. Robbie God Hartnell rest his soul. My teammate on three different occasions. Go ahead. And I live, I think we had this conversation before in another podcast, but he was, I lived with his family when I was 15, 16 years old. Yes. When I first left home to go play junior in, in Hobima in the AJHL, the Alberta Junior League. So fast forward, we became, you know, I, you know, I was like a third son to the Hartnells and at that time. And um, he goes on, he's playing the East Coast League and he's playing summer hockey, roller hockey. And I was playing Kansas City at the time. I got loaned out after my first NHL contract was kind of expiring and my career was kind of basically tanking. And I was, my, my career was basically over. tanking. Well, yeah, it was like, <laughs> like one, and, one and done, like kind of thing. So I, I was, uh, I actually was starting to think about going to the University of Alberta for school the next year at 23. And then, wow. yeah, yeah. And so I was playing Kansas City and I basically was sitting out. I wasn't even playing. I got loaned out there and I didn't play one game in the playoffs. And um, so I'm basically the last hurrah. I'm just out partying and having fun. It just did whatever. Didn't give a shit. And uh, Robbie calls me and he said, listen, we need another defenseman for a roller team. You got to come out. And I was like, my ego was, you know, you know you're young and dumb at the time. I'm like, well, I'm a second round draft pick. I'm not going to go and play roller hockey. That's for like yeah. chips. Yeah. Kind of like, basically is what I was thinking, right? Yeah, um, hey, I would have been right. thinking the same. It's probably why I didn't go. I, I remember yeah. being offered. Go ahead. So, um, good. Well, at the time, Jeannie Bus owned the team. So, Jeannie Bus. Jeannie Bus, uh, like yes, yes, folks, Los Angeles Lakers. Jeannie yeah. Bus. Like obviously, Jeannie Bus is an incredibly successful woman, businesswoman, um, chairman of the Lakers, owner of the Lakers. I think she's on the one of the chairs of the NBA. And at the Lakers. time, her dad was president of the Lakers, wasn't he? J- Jerry yeah. Buss. Yeah, Jerry Buss. And uh, so she worked with her dad. Have you ever watched the show on HBO, which is incredible? Uh, I can't remember the name the top of my head. But I unreal. saw it. it was, it's an unreal. Um, I didn't even know half the stuff. As far as done. behind the scenes documentaries go, it's fantastic. 
it's just unbelievable. And again, I didn't know half of what she had gone through uh, growing up and whatever. But so she's, she's an incredible woman. So she, but she had just been in Playboy at the same time that yeah, this, this that. was going on. And uh, so he kept phoning me and I'm going, no, no, like again, no cell phone. So I get a message to the hotel. I uh, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. This happened three or four times. I, sh I showed up in my hotel room one day, and there was a package there for me and it was uh, an envelope and I opened the envelope up and I open it and it's a Playboy. I'm not lying to you. And I wish I would have kept it. There's a sticky note on the Playboy and it says, turn to page whatever and meet your new owner, Jeannie. So Jeannie wow. had sent me this message. And again, if you watch the show, like, again, like super like badass, like she's, she's like, looks all cute and pretty and, and nice and all that stuff. But like, she gets what she wants. Right. So she, she was like, she sends me this thing. So of course I picked the phone up right away and I tell Robbie, I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> Basically. So, what did you do with it? I don't know what happened to it. Exactly. What can you eat? That would be a fucking museum worthy. Now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, she's always a great girl. She came to have, I met her too. And I played in law, Long Beach and Colorado Springs. I don't remember the exact times, but there was two or three year period that I played in California quite a bit. It might have been after St. John. I mean, you might have orchestrated it. I don't really remember. Yeah. Her and her friend yeah. Stacy, I hung out with them a few nights. She got me into Jay Leno. I went up. There was a guy on my team, Robbie Gordon from Vancouver. Uh, and Robbie was playing. I played one game in Long Beach. After that, I would come back and visit when I played for Colorado Springs or Boise against Long Beach. But I played one game for I Long Beach back when they were in the IHL. And uh, I was there for like a week. It was right before I came to St. John's. I was trying to figure out where to sign. Okay. And Glenn Stanford was or doing a deal here. Because remember, I wasn't with the Leafs, but there had to be room for me on the team. And I was kind of waiting. So anyway... Uh, they got me up. And me and Robbie, I, I just asked. They said, you know, you got a lot of pull here. I'd love to see Jay Leno. And that night, she's like, well, if you leave right now. And we went up. And dude, I can't remember his name. Seth somebody. He's the son on Austin Powers. Um, Seth Green. No, not Seth Green. Seth. God. Anyway. So, I, know I can see a picture of him there. Whatever his name is, we stopped in right before. he. We were having dinner at this big table. It was a nice Italian restaurant. Me... Jeannie, Stacy, Seth, whatever. Dion Darling was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Robbie Gordon. And then we went over and it was uh, Nicholas Cage was on and Natalie Merchant was the guest. And it was nice. awesome. It was a, a great time. <clears throat> um, are you glad I hijacked your interview? No, uh, no, no. It's, it's good. Anyway, I, I, so I, I went out there and um, so the Troy Crowder story, mm. I... I get out there and, I, and it ends up kind of kind of falling apart. Like, you know, I think I was I was pretty bitter from what kind of happened with my, you know, pro, like my three years pro, what happened. I was getting dropped by Philly and, you know, a whole bunch of stuff happened there. So I was pretty bitter. And I got injured. I, got, I, I separated my shoulder. And then I was really kind of, I, I was kind of being a bit of a dick. Like, I was kind of like, I, I better get paid still. I better whatever. So anyway, Jeannie ended up like hating me, right, by the end of the summer. Right. And so I was getting ready to leave. And, and again, they, they put you up in a nice place and you're treated well and whatever. And like you said, we're playing in front of 15,000 fans and it's like, it's, it's good. Right. So I was getting ready to leave and, and I, I just thought, I don't know what, I don't know what hit me at that age or whatever, but I was like, I got to go apologize to Jeannie because like, I mean, she didn't really do anything to me and you know, everything she said she was going to do, she did. And <clears throat> so 
and I go walk off the forum. And again, if you watch the show about like the old, the, the old, uh, the, the room or whatever, the, the office up in the mm-hmm. forum, I go up and like, Hey, can I see, you know, Jeannie? And so walk in this big room, there's this, you know, stereotype big desk sitting in the back of this big room. Jeannie's sitting behind this big desk and Troy Crowder sitting because they were, they started dating. So they, they were, they, so when Troy went there, he started dating Jeannie at some point. So Troy's sitting at the, again, one of the toughest guys ever played in the NHL. Yeah. He's like 35, whatever. I'm 23. I'm just like, holy yeah. shit, like legend. And Jeannie Boss, the legend. So I'm like stammering my words with this guy. I don't know. He's probably wondering why the hell I'm up there. Right oh, yeah. And, uh, I just apologized to Gene. I said, I'm really sorry. Just like my, it's my thing. I had, you know, been kind of, lots of stuff's going on in my career. So I'm a little bitter and whatever, whatever. I really apologize. You've been nothing but nice. So, you know, did the right thing. Well, this is the kind of person Jeannie is, is that Jeannie, like, cause I had the guts to go up and do that. It turned around 180. Like Jeannie and I are still friends to this day. Like, I mean, I don't see her very much or whatever. We, still, we just had a reunion a couple of years ago and I had a chance to see her, but like, she just loved me after that because I had that, you know, that's her, right? She's a very generous person. Yeah. So we were friends, you know, we were friends ever since. But uh, yeah, that was my Troy Carter story. It's like, interesting. Interesting. And Jeannie Bus story. Kind of the whole Jeannie Bus part, maybe you should rethink the name of that story, the Jeannie Bus story. But with Troy Crowder, special feature with Troy <laughs> yes, Crowder. Exactly. Um, well, you brought Troy Crowder up first. So. I did. I certainly did. And you know what? I'm just joking. Troy. Uh, you know where I saw him last? A few months ago in Sudbury, walking out of the rink. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he's from Sudbury and he, he was right. trying to pick up pick up with the guys. That's and right. I, I met him on I met him the first time at the uh, Juno Awards we're here and he knows Jim Cuddy. Yeah. That, that sure was it. And we you know, needless to say, we told stories, had some beers. God, he's got some great stories. All those guys from that era. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash hockey terms. This question comes from Phil in Quispemsis. Uh, he simply wants to know the weirdest stick. Who had the weirdest stick that you ever played with? I'm trying to think. There was a guy named uh, Alexi Loiken. Any, any of my ex-teammates would laugh his, his stick was just it was all like i won't say belly button but it was almost like lacrosse it, it, it didn't go past his sternum and uh it was straight with a little if there was any curve to it at all it curved the other way he liked right. to, he liked a little tip on the end of his stick for when he took backhands that's probably the weirdest but 
no one knows. I'm doing the hockeydb.com here, guys. I gotta, I, I gotta remember this guy's name because you would know who this guy is. But the, the one of the weirdest ones was Kyle Reeves. Really, big time this, scorer, Tri City. Tri Cities. That that his 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 stick was just like a curve in that thing was nuts, right? Like a like boomerang. Just, like a boomerang, yeah. Because I only was, said that because in my head I see the highlights of him going up a top titty and. Crazy. It's like he didn't need. It was almost like Ovechkin shoots it. You know, it just you don't need that much time and space to get it off. He was and usually that means some somewhat of a uplift curve. He was unreal. I'm trying to. What's this guy's? You would know this guy. Played played for Anaheim. Where'd you, you play? Played with him in Hamilton. Hey, how play. about there was a guy. Bobby Dallas. Remember Bobby Dallas? He had a really short stick too. He was a D man. And his stick was like, again, like sternum. <laughs> so, yeah, Bobby Dallas was my D partner when I played for the Oilers. Are you last serious? Game, swear to God, last game, my, like he was my D partner, and that was my last game was in uh, in Pittsburgh. And we had, well, I had a terrible game. He had a terrible game. Made the highlight reels <laughs> for bloopers twice that night. Well, in Pittsburgh in that time, that would have been 97, 98, if I'm not mistaken. Not that I'm looking at your hockey DB, but <coughs> when you played, that would have been, is Lemieux out or is Lemieux in? No, he was out. It was just uh, Jager. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was just Jager. Just Jager, yeah. Just Jager yeah. and Ron Francis. He did, did score me, but uh, yeah. But um, Rob Brown did. And Robbie's, I see Robbie now, he's from Edmonton, so I love it too much. Rob Brown is a character. I met him out at that, where that Alzheimer's thing a couple yeah, of years a ago. Guy. The guy that was sticking up here is Oleg. Tevardowski, remember that? Oh, like uh, I know he played in the Western League. Came over and played in Brandon. Did he play in Brandon? Yeah. He, he did. Oleg Tevardowski. He was a huge pick, a year older than me, I believe, was 76. Well, I didn't I realize remember he was with he was with IMG, like I said. I had he's actually, uh, uh, he's actually Ukrainian. He's from Donetsk. I didn't know that. Well, there you go. He's, you learned I thought he was every Russian. day, but he came over, right? He was in Brandon. Am I wrong? <laughs> yeah, he had a weird he had like a like a a wedge. He just had this just like straight kind of blade with a wedge. And it was remember about back in the day, like now it's kind of common to have straight blades, right? Like but back then we all had curves, right? We had like a, the back was that the was, case? No, no, I know what you mean. Was that the case when you played like Oleg Tavardowski, like just like Brandon, you know, didn't know he was coming and then just like in one week they sent him there. Darren Quint. Remember Darren Quint? Yeah. I think he's the NHL record for quickest two goals because he bank went in off the uh, partition and it bounced into the net. He played for Seattle. Um, me, BJ, uh, Young, Brent Ashcroft, Brian Boucher, like all these players would come from all over and find their way into the Western League throughout some loophole. Like, man, I mean, I'm the only Newfoundlander to play out there. They figured it out for me. Were there guys like that when you played too? Uh, for those one point of reference, Sam Man came in about, I was coming in and he was leaving. So five years difference. Yeah, we. I, I, it wasn't as prevalent. We, we never had any uh, Russian player. It was just before we think about the era that you and I were in. I was just at, just at the beginning when guys started coming over. Like I was – like Peter Nedved was – He defected to do it. You're right. right. Right? So that was my era. And I was – he was in Seattle. He had to defect. But by the time – Russian politics pro, too. Yeah, the policies – sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was say, when I was 20 and I turned pro in Hershey, there were guys mm -hmm. that were coming over like – 
there was Russian. We had Russians in our on our team. Couldn't speak English. I mean, it was crazy back then because guys. Now it's normalized, right? And now there's support systems and some of the other guys come over more prepared, like speak English. It was right after the Iron Curtain came down. These guys like coming here with like grocery stores with shelves full of food. And in Russia, it was like bare shelves and lineups, right? Yeah. So these guys had no idea what like the culture shock was crazy, right? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I've, you know, that's a good point. I remember... Being uh, the first I ever heard of it was Nedved. We went to the Seattle Thunderbirds. Yeah. I, and he was at. I think he was at the Max tournament in Calgary. Yeah. I remember seeing it on TV when I was like ten years old. I'm still looking at it, and he's out there dominating the midget tournament. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's 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 Jeffex. He plays in Seattle. A few years later, not not even maybe Bure came over. Um, and uh, for me, all those guys. I mean, the the most the most impactful import was fucking. It was my last year. Uh, and I think it was only two games we played against him, but it was Zdeno Chara. Fuck, he came over. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in a calendar year, the Prince George Cougars had Eric Brewer, Surrey, and Chara. It was really hard to get open, you know, like to Jesus. jump it in. And, I know, and, and, and not to mention, the, they always had big guys. It was like the Johnstown Chiefs and the Miners, they were going off that. Prince yeah. George, like, we're, we're north. Yeah. We're tough people. We're going to have a team like that, you know? Yeah. Who would have been the toughest team when you played? Say in your last year in the Western League, because it was a bunch of fucking monkeys, man. It was a zoo. It was a zoo. Because of you guys, Sandman, because of you guys and your era, we were never allowed to warm up with the other team because there was too many bench brawls before the game started with you guys. We weren't allowed 10-minute misconducts, and, like, you guys just – Obliterated. I mean, Kerry Toporowski had 515 without tens. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole game changed because we were left with the mess that you guys created. Yeah. Check out Seattle Tri City stick swinging incident, folks who haven't seen it yet, and go from there. <laughs> oh my God, that was that was a hell of a year. That was a hell of a year. I remember that. I don't. I can't remember that the exact same year that scary. We, we called him scary tough Kerry Toporowski. That was his nickname. Um, and, and he literally, we were in Tri-Cities, he was in uh, Spokane, so we played him a ton. And, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And, I'm, and I, people think I'm exaggerating, but not. Like, literally, every single time that guy stepped on the ice, every single time he stepped on the ice. Yeah. Every I mean, he had single to. time. He tried to fight somebody. He was trying he, to get He up. tried to break the record, and he did break it without tens. They did not count tens. That was the first year of it. And I've heard the stories, and he tried to make a game of it and fucking ended up with over 500 minutes, again, with no tens. Yeah. He would have had a 1,000. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was unreal. Yeah, it was just it's like you were just... incredible. It was just like, well, you can only imagine, right? It was, just, it was just so relentlessly like, are you kidding me? Like, you you want to try and slash me that sh like 10 shifts in a row to fight? Like, I, why am I fighting you? Every time I get on the ice, I mean, why would anybody do that? You know, and, and he just keep Sandman, going. So Sandman, guys would they, just take turns and Tri City fucking told me if I came out west, they'd draft me. Everything else, like I said, they did. They took me third overall. I was all pumped. First round, I'm going to Tri City. We're talking when I'm going to go there, where I'm going in the summer, and then all of a sudden, one on the bo one of the boys on the team showed me this. Um, it was Adam Retchlag's brother, Gus. I was playing with Gus Retchlag in Quinnell. And he showed me this VHS tape of the Tri-City Americans getting in a fucking fan brawl. And I was like, what league am I going into? That was the first footage that I'd seen out west of the Western Hockey League. 
Well, we made national news uh, three times a year. I was just gonna, uh, I was actually gonna bring it up about imports coming in from uh, out, out, uh, outside uh, Western Canada. We made it. Uh, only Cole's egg scored a goal, like uh, wow. from his end. That and that was like, I think somebody in the NHL just done it the year before or something like that. He was like, and, and it just like it was new. Hextall would have been, and it would have been right before, yeah, right before, right. And then I think Ole was the next guy. I mean, obviously he's not pro, but and then um, Christmas time, we walked out on the team and didn't play a game. <clears throat> and I've ever sent you this article. Like you should, like I should send you this article to post somewhere. It's hilarious. Bill LaForge, if you know the name Bill LaForge. Oh, yeah. He came, he he got banned from the Ontario Hockey League for like inciting violence or whatever. They started some brawls and stuff. He's from Edmonton, actually. He coached uh, the uh, team out of Enoch, just outside Edmonton. And he just wanted, he was just, what did he coach seven games for Vancouver? (laughs) And they fired him after seven games. Like, the guy's like, the guy was one of his. He was in teams. New Westminster, wasn't he? Before yes. Tri Cities, but that's right. I, I hear, uh, yeah, maybe before, before, yeah, before, before. I just hear. I've, I've heard all the stories. I've heard, like you know, he's one of those coaches that it still comes up all the time. I mean, is he alive still? No, he passed away. Uh, um, and uh, is but his son is the GM of the Seattle Thunderbirds, I think. Or he's is his uh, son Mark? Uh, yeah, there was no, a Mark no, LaForge. I can't remember what his first name, but he's in okay. I, I just didn't know. Yeah. I came across Mark Ford. You're thinking of player, Mark, you play, player Michael Ford? Is that what you're yeah. thinking of? Yeah, no, no, that's not him. Okay, not the same. Um, but he, uh, anyway, so we, we, we walked out and we wouldn't play it. We literally did not play a WHL hockey game because we didn't want to play for him. Because he came in, like, wanting to talk about, like, crazy stuff, like fighting and, and doing all sorts of stupid stuff and whatever. So the whole team got together and decided to hold out. But he brought a couple players with him from – the Ontario Hockey League, who got kicked out. And that's one one guy was uh, right stay or something like that. He was a tough guy. Man, so they were the only ones that showed up for the game. When my – yeah, that's wild. It, in my last – one of uh, my second last year, I played in the West Coast League. We played Fresno, and there was a big fucking tough guy, and I had a real hard time with him. And I don't know if, you, if he was in Tri-City when you were there, uh, Greg Spenrath. I fought Greg Spenrath in training camp. Did you? He's yeah, a big dude, really like really <laughs> hulking like a grizzly bear almost. I, I remember yeah. like when I heard the stories, I didn't know where he ended up. So you did. How did that go? I broke his jaw. Wow, nice sense. Yeah. I looked, but I was. You had to fight in that era against all the, and they were coming at you. You were six four two ten, perfect, perfect for those guys like Mizey that just wanted yeah. to fight. And you could go right. Yeah, you were well, on the menu. I fought Mizey probably uh, maybe a dozen times. Uh, we became friends through fighting, like like that. Like honestly, I'd be going to we go to the box and uh, you know after the first couple times or whatever, whatever. And then after a while, we're in the box and good fight, you know. And then the next time and and then the last time I fought him was I was in uh, I was in Kansas City. I just got loaned out there. It was that year, and we go to Atlanta. He's playing in Atlanta. <laughs> we're going on the ice, and you know that stuff. Like, Mizey. I gotta go, you man. I got this. Is like I need some help here because I've just got I got loaned out here. I gotta yeah, put on yeah. a good show here. Okay, let's go, buddy. So we go, and of course he'd always get me with his laughs at the end of the day. But uh, we'd always have a good battle. And then we go, Jeez. like we we go to the box, and he's like, "Where are we going? Where are you taking me after? Where are we going?" So he took me, uh, took me to the strippers after. We had a night, fun night. <laughs> just love that. I love that about Mizey, and uh, <laughs> I love that because uh, he's got. 
You know, Mizey's sober now. Those I, I've had him on here for those that are living under a rock. Uh, the book is Painkiller, and uh, it's. I'm I'm really glad that Mizey can put it behind him and talk about it because some of those stories were wild. They involve booze, and some people you don't you know you don't want to. It's kitty gloves, but with him, it's great. He'll talk about it, and he was that kind of guy anyway. Like I remember playing against him on the ice, and just getting the feeling like deep down he's a real good guy, you know. Yeah. Like oh, when yeah. Mizey was happy, everybody yeah. benefited. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everybody but come on to my place in Sylvan yeah. Lake. Come on. You know, he was, he, he was an addict, but he was such a giver that, you know, you just threw him yeah. a bone every time. Well, it's so true. Like he was never the funny thing is, man, I say this all the time. Like I again I Mizey's from Edmonton, so then I've seen I've seen him at the bars in the summertime. So we party together and this and that. And not once I heard these stories while we were playing, like like these legendary stories that he get himself into, and then he'd be in the substance abuse program and this and that. And like that's, I'm laughing about it now, but no, like, what he laughs about it, you know, like, some some of it's, it's funny. He's good. It's I mean, just, life's like it's just crazy. But but I think you're right. Like I think it was like he just wanted to have fun. It was just it was nothing dark about it or anything like that. I mean, maybe there was. I mean, he... I, I well, to I him, but, book, but, but... Just people think but, he was out starting fights and stuff. Right. right? Yeah. yeah that's, and, it's, that was the last thing he was doing. And, I, and and the funny thing is, and I don't know whether he sensed that for me or whatever. Like, I'm not, I was never into that stuff. Um, he would never bring that around me. Like, I never, I never yeah. saw him do it. Me I never neither. saw him ask to do it. I never whatever. Like, so that's the funny thing, too, is, like, I hear these stories... And I go like, that's not the guy that I know. Like, I mean, he's just a fun guy. Likes a party. Like, yeah. like us, you know. Took the words. Of, see, I, I would go to Edmonton in the summer before I knew you. I, I would uh, hang with Surrey, and Surrey was with him a lot. And whether yeah. it was cowboys or what was, what was it, Esmeraldas, Ezzies? Well, you go to Ezzie to, you know, Sunday I send you out Tuesdays, and you might go there. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you popped out on Wednesday down to like cowboys, yeah. and then Thursday you did. You'd have to get Barry T's, you know. Um, Barry so, yeah, T's? Oh, that was good. The, the, the Iron know, Horse. Well, was the Iron... Side, you know, you got to hit all those, those ones. Hey, that was it. My experience with Mizey back then was exactly at those places, and it was always, like, fun. But and, but anyway, and, and he is fun. I'm going to see him on Friday. I can't wait. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, he texted yeah, yeah. me, actually. Uh, I'm going to talk to him. Uh, I got to give him a phone call here today, actually. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Um, so when will I see you again? You're going to Machu Picchu, right? You're going on that trip, but, but yeah, for those I'm that don't know, I'm going with Penny Lane to Montreal. Find myself, yeah, I'm going to go find myself, and uh, yeah, it didn't work out with us, but we'll figure another another time. I will do. Uh, and then I am going to be in uh, St. John's on July 28th to the 5th. Oh, this is beautiful. Um, bringing my it's hilarious. First, I'm going to George Street Festival, and my family's coming. It's like that, that's not the way I planned it. But no, my sister's coming in from Australia. She works down there. She's been wanting to go there forever. She's a, you'll love her. When you meet her, you're gonna laugh. She's a, she's a beauty. Um, she wants to go there. So my parents are coming out, and my daughters. I'm thinking my daughters there. So it's gonna be fun. And then well, you know what? It's a great time for it, Sam. Man, because the last couple of years are way more like family kind of friendly than ever. I mean, you're always gonna get George Street, and they have the early earlier in the day. They have you know the maybe light rock kind of bands that, you know, it's not a crazy, crazy party, but the calm before the storm. But what happened in the last few years, especially where I think it was the pandemic, they just shut down downtown. I, I think you were here last yeah. year, right? Last or two year, years yeah. ago. Last year. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so it's pedestrian, and you know, markets open up, patios. So this George Street Festival is kind of just the centerpiece that happens at night of an overall downtown festival. That's the way I take it. And I find... 
it's a lot more satisfying to people that necessarily aren't here to drink. You know what I mean? Not yeah. that your not that your family won't, but you know what I'm saying. It's yeah. you know, there's the later you go, the later you go into that night, it's glow sticks, hooliganism, yeah. Yeah. chaos. You know, no matter well, where you are. Well, I plan on doing all of it, and uh, we'll you know cut the kids into bed at some point, and uh, we'll we'll go out, and I'll bring my sister with me because she's gonna definitely probably outlast both of us. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be wild, actually. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I've never had so many sandwiches in the same room at the same time. Uh, do you have anything to promote before we go? Uh, well, again, maybe I just pumped that kids sports thing you're doing, man, because, again, it's a great uh, Edmonton charity. So, um, you know, obviously this is an event you're raising money for tomorrow, but we donate to them uh, throughout the year as well. So if you guys want to... Donate to a good charity, especially in the Empton area. It's really, really good. Some great stories. You'll hear some stories uh, tomorrow, uh, Terry. Like it's the. I think what it really brings home to me is that because we're sports people, the, the value of sports can bring to kids, young kids, and giving them the opportunities to participate in that and learn life skills and and things like that, right? And confidence and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of close to home, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it, to be honest. Uh, the more uh, last night I got a bit panicked as I was writing, but the more I think about it, it's it's all about positive vibes, interaction. There's really not much negative to say about these kind of events. And, you know, I joke, but hats off to Kevin Lowe. It's not easy to put yourself out there, man. It really isn't when the whole room. I mean, we're all part of it, but really, I'm a pretty confident, unshy person. And I don't know, like, you know, yeah. he's going to hear a lot that night and it takes a lot to do that. And it's charitable on him and everybody else. Well, just just to, just to uh, give you a little more comfort. Um, yeah. Last year, I was sitting right next to uh, Craig McTavish because he was roasting Joaquin Gage as well. Yeah. So everybody that got up there, as you know, roasts everybody else, you know, does a little roast. And I mean, the stuff that was being said about Mac T and I could hear he was sitting right next to me and he, he deadpanned it. Like he did not react to anything, but he would, he would, he would grunt. He would, and I, could, oh, I was the only one that could hear him. Like, so somebody he would just rip up about like what a terrible coach he was or GM or like, like, like really bad stuff. And he just go, ah. like that's all he would do. Okay. And then he got up and then he got up and this is, He's a really funny guy, like like dry, dry sense of humor. And man, did he rip the hell out of everybody! So it's 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 all in good fun. Like they're great guys, and Kevin Lowe's a gentleman, Craig's a gentleman there. But they uh, they know shrinking violets, you know. They played for the Oilers in the eighties. I think they've seen and done some stuff, you know. They're, True they're, enough. True enough. <laughs> I don't think there's anything you're gonna surprise them with. As I rethink this, because I sent you some stuff, maybe maybe it was just. Just the, maybe I don't need to cut as much as I thought because I yeah. did go pretty scathing, but um, I'm getting a good context for it now. Like when you said f bombs, I was like, "Oh, can I even go there?" But oh, don't yeah. worry, I, I've totally cleansed that. Like, I mean, you're you're not going to compete with me on that. Like, you just you just do whatever you want. It'll be okay. always be well. At least he was as bad as Turan. It's gonna be fun. Okay, maybe maybe I'll give you a shout out uh, in memory. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, Sam, man, thanks a lot for doing this today. I'll see you soon. Uh, folks, we're on YouTube now at THPN. Uh, I'll be back in just a few days. Next week, we are going to do it. We're going to have Tessa Bonham. Um, I just, because of scheduling, really, I had to move some things around. And I know from feedback that I get here that Taran Samwith... Joe Lazito and Ken Reed are three favorites of the show, so thanks a lot for doing this again, Sam, man. 
Anytime, brother. Love you. We'll see you in July. Love you, too. We'll see you soon. There you have it, folks. Trans Samwith, one of my good buddies, and uh, we're looking forward to a, a nice summer again. I'll see him at the George Street Festival. I'll be pretty busy till then. And uh, Samman is in on the drink that we're going to be releasing next year. So stay tuned. That uh, All that information will be coming real soon. I'm just getting all my ducks in a row. We are just getting all our ducks in a row. But uh, lots of news on that soon. If you're downtown St. John's this weekend, why not have a beer at Trinity Pub? Why not go to TJ's Pub? Rob Roy Confusion, Martini Bar, one of my favorites, of course, always green sleeves, uh, Bull and Barrel. And, of course, if you are a Rob Roy Confusion, if you're downtown looking for a bite to eat, my f- three favorite spots to go in the city are Blue on Water, Merchant Tavern, and, of course, Wedgwood Cafe on Elizabeth Avenue. But support local. Uh, I'm not just saying it because I'm from St. John's, but we had a lot going on downtown and uh, lots of food culture, more so than it's ever been. So get out, experience a nice restaurant or bar. Take it all in. Um, A lot of these local restaurants, a lot of these local establishments need our help now that the pandemic is over. Or here we are, (laughs) knocking on wood. Whatever all that was has passed and people are getting their feet under them again. And I strongly urge you, wherever you are, to get out and support local. If you're in town, you want to work out, you want to change your life. Strength and balance for the body and mind. Power conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. Mr. Lube has two locations, Torbay Road and Kenmount Road. Check it out. Live, laugh, lube. Pitbull pain relief. The Pitbull pain sticks that just don't quit. Pitbullpainrelief.com. And, of course... True Hockey, take what's yours. Be back in just a few days with Tessa Bonhomme. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Catch you on the rebound.